this is gold. We can't we can't leave this we can't leave this on the we can't leave this on the cutting room floor. Yeah, no. See, it's a it's like a it's like a you know how like you get a, a, a sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, a sweatshirt, and it's, and it's got the that sewn in like V pattern. Yeah, I've just never seen it so big as this with your roll down <laughs> collar. And also it, it extends beyond the V. So it, it, it looks like you're wearing an Argyle sweater. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you pull back like that, I can see that it's gray, but I've never seen a sweatshirt collar like that. It's a turtleneck. Like, like, like Perry Como would wear. Are are you wearing a dicky? This is this is a one piece. It goes all the way down to my feet. <laughs> you You like the simplicity of a onesie? Yeah. That was a line from that um movie with uh uh, it was like the Asian rom com on Netflix that had Keanu Reeves in it. What was always that be my, always, always be my, be maybe. my maybe. Yeah. yeah, always be my baby. That okay, that was a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what's the name of the guy? Randall Park. Yes, I kept wanting to call him Franklin Park, which is another Korean that I knew once. And uh, what what who was what was the actress? It wasn't Aquafina, right? No, it wasn't Aquafina. Uh, not Margaret uh, Cho. It, no. <laughs> okay, this isn't helping. Um, anyway, there was a line in that he was he was working with his dad as a plumber, and when he sees his old girlfriend, uh, he says, "I just like the simplicity of a onesie," and that was hilarious. Yeah. 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 So way to go, Frank uh, uh, Randall Park. Um, okay, so so anyway, I don't believe that that's a sweatshirt. That is the most uh, sweater-looking sweatshirt ever devised by man. That's that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was noticing, seeing myself in the mirror, and or not in the mirror, but here on the Zoom as we communicate, um, couldn't be less happy about what I'm seeing. Um, not only is my has has my hairline receded during the pandemic? Uh, I'm really getting close to looking like Christian Bale in American Hustle. Uh, so I got to get a haircut, but I'm going to give Omicron another week. Also, I'm wearing an LL Bean t-shirt, which is a good t-shirt. And it's such a good t-shirt, it's never going to wear out, which is unfortunate because I got a V-neck, which is not I don't know what I was thinking. I'm not a V-neck guy. And, and it seems like I've gone to great trouble to accentuate this tuft of chest hair. It's just a tuft. Sir, is that, is that, a, is that a gold chain? Is that a medallion? What does your medallion say, Jeff? <laughs> is that a symbol of on your gold medallion there? 
Ali, Wong, Ali Wong is the name we were looking for. Okay, see, I, I and and that was going to be my third guess, but having having already thrown out two female Asian names, okay, so Ali Wong is notable because she like does comedy specials. Pregnant has like is that is that the only time she does them or, or? I, I, I think I think. <laughs> I think she's like super pregnant every time she does. Oh, okay. Okay. Howdy. Um, yeah. Howdy. <laughs> howdy. Ali Wong's only super pregnant when she does a comedy special. All right, let's go. Da, 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 da. Uh, howdy. Uh, welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. With me as always is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. And can I just say something before we get too far into this? Yeah. Um, thank you to our listeners. Uh, we've seen some great numbers. We appreciate you listening, uh, subscribing, downloading, sharing with your friends. So keep it up. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. No, nothing? No. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just assuming those are all my sister's friends. Hey, we'll take them where we can get them. Yeah, no, for sure. We would like, yeah, Missy wants to come back. And uh, so I've invited her back to, for the book club. I think that she could be like the den mother for the mystery solving grannies. So she's going to download Nightmare in Pink on Kindle. I'll tell you what, buddy. I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to like let, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I'm in the fifth or sixth chapter and uh, this isn't really holding up as well as um, the deep blue goodbye. So um, if the, if Tirza and Emily don't bail on us, I will be amazed. So we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see that. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I guess it's cold up there today. Getting some snow today. Oh, yeah. Much needed snow. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you live in a desert. As yeah. we've discussed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, today's the last nice day here. Uh, it's going to start getting cold, but today's been unbelievable nice. It was It's like, a, it's like spring. All right, enough about the weather. Don't start with the weather. You know who said that? Uh, Willard Scott. Elmore Leonard. Uh-huh. And so is there something you'd like to talk about? I would. I did see um, a very interesting headline that uh, Justified is going to be coming back for a limited series. I imagine it's probably going to be six or eight episodes. Um, it's going to be on FX. I think so. Okay. Um, Graham Yost is, is back in great. Um, looks like, uh, all the, uh, the production team and writers are, are on board as well. So I expect it to be pretty solid. Very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, you, uh, do you have that, do you have that blurb in front of you? Oh, that's just something I made up. 
<laughs> no way. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I did not make that up. Um, this is what it says. A limited series. The premise is that having left the hollers of Kentucky eight years ago, Raylan Givens now lives in Miami. Uh, he's balancing his life as a U.S. Marshal and a part-time father of a 14-year-old girl. Did you not want to say a walking anachronism? Yeah. When you start throwing out big words like that, I... Uh... Mark Twain would say uh, uh, it pays just as much as a, as a short word. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his hair is grayer. His hat is dirtier. And the road in front of him is suddenly a lot shorter than the road behind. Why? Wow. Know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that to begin this episode, didn't we? Well, I think I talk about it a little every episode. <laughs> a chance encounter on a desolate Florida highway sends him to Detroit. Now we know who lives in Detroit. Uh, Leo Tonin. Well, well, no, Leo Tonin went away. Uh, yeah. And Sammy Tonin got killed, right? Mm-hmm. But I imagine that that gang, the associates are probably still in business. Elmore Leonard was a Detroit guy, which is why a lot of his stuff was, was based there. I mean, oh, interesting. He, he spent his, I mean, he, he split his time once he, once he was a fantastically successful uh, novelist, he, he didn't stay in Detroit, uh, yeah. where I hear the winters are even more severe than they are in Denver. Um, Raylan Givens crosses paths with Clement Mansell, a.k.a. the Oklahoma wild man, a violent sociopathic desperado who has already slipped through the fingers of Detroit's finest once and aims to do so again. Mansell's lawyer, a form or formidable Motor City native, Carolyn Wilder, has every intention of representing her client, even as she finds herself caught between cop and criminal with her own game afoot as well. These three characters set out on a collision course in classic Elmore Leonard fashion to see who makes it out of the city primeval alive. Is Detroit called the city primeval? That sounds like a video game, doesn't it? Yeah, that didn't. That's that sounds. Oh well. Anyway, where where did you find that? Uh, like huh. Entertainment Entertainment Weekly, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, Variety. You you read the trades, don't you, Brian? Us Weekly. That's my fave. <laughs> us. I like how I like how it's titled Us. You know, makes me feel like I'm part of that community. Part of the community of man. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Any idea when uh, that's we we should be looking for that? Um, let me see here. Ah, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, it may be, it may be called, um, a justified city primeval, 
series based on Elmore Leonard's novel, City Primeval, High Noon in Detroit. Oh, cool. uh, so IMDb doesn't have much on this. In fact, it's only rumored to star Timothy Oliphant. Uh, so, you know, if, so long as it, you know, so, so Amazon doesn't know about it yet. Um, because IMDb is just one, it's part of the Amazon, you know, cosmos yeah uh vulture doesn't really say it's it just says that he is confirmed to be back but uh it's we don't have a release date or whether or not uh win duffy will reprise his role is it were we left knowing where win duffy was headed Mm -mm. surely he wouldn't go to detroit Probably not. So he was, didn't we learn that he was raised in uh, Hawaii? He grew up in Hawaii. Mm, that sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. This is what was really cool about that show. That it... Um, it gave the care the, the bad guys had lives you know they had motivations they had things they wanted now now mo mostly those things were selfish and base but at least you kind of knew what was going on right mm -hmm. part of my conversation with tirza which um by the time this goes comes out people will have already heard you know as we've said before, the Marvel movies just bring on faceless armies of aliens or robots. And so there's no, I mean, they could kill the bad guys, but you don't care how many of them get killed because they're aliens or robots. And I was thinking about that. And I actually think, you know, you cheer like, okay, so like if you ever saw a war movie, you know, as a kid on, you know, or, you know, I don't know, the sands of Iwo Jima to the longest day. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big grand thing, I suppose, not unlike war. And uh, you don't, you don't really, you don't, don't get a lot into the inner workings of the German soldiers who are being dusted at about a mm hundred -hmm. a second. Uh, Ditto the Rambo movies, I suppose. Although I've, I've, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen all of a Rambo movie. Anyway, but I, but we digress. Yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah, and that was the thing about Justified is that it did it well. It had it had time to kind of tell you the motivations of the bad guys. I thought that the. Um, when Michael Rappaport showed up as Dewey Crow's cousin, um, you know, just a, a, a greedy, selfish family with a bent towards criminal activities. But they were they were interesting. And the cousin who was the lawyer 
the sister who was a lawyer who was trying to help him out. But she was she was a like legal assistant. Yeah, she was like a paralegal or something, and she was passing herself off as a as as a, a lawyer. Yeah, no, I I really liked her. Yeah, um, did she did she work for Bruiser Stone too? Is that a Denver ambulance no. chaser? No. What's, what's Bruiser Stone from? <laughs> Bruiser Stone. Bruiser Stone in, in the Rainmaker. Mickey Rourke played Bruiser Stone. <laughs> and that was Danny DeVito's. Danny DeVito was like his his paralegal, his assistant. And uh, he was like in the Cayman someplace. And he had to call him every once in a while, a couple times in the movie to get some help on something. Uh, that was the one with Matt Damon, right? Yeah. I don't believe I've seen it. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I'll I'm tell you sure. what, but the 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 next good John Grisham movie will be the first good John Grisham movie. I, I I saw I saw the one with Matthew Mc well yeah the one with Matthew McConaughey. Which one was that? Where, Time like, to the kill. House, hmm? Time to kill. Didn't that have Chris? Did that have Samuel L. Jackson in it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't even remember that one. I was actually thinking, okay, so I was actually thinking that Samuel L. Jackson and Christina Ricci were in it, but now I remember that that was Black Snake Moan, which I didn't see. Uh, uh-huh, no, I totally. So, so like Matthew McConaughey's house burns down, and then the next morning he's found sitting in the ashes. First of all, it's still hot. Second of all, it would be a sloppy mess because the the fire department would have like been hosing it all down. And third of all, the fire department would have put like yellow tape around it. They wouldn't have let him like go back and sit down and like muse or brood or whatever he was doing. So yeah, that, that yellow tape stops everybody. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't, you can't fix it. So if you cut it, they can totally tell you've been in it. They're going to know. They're going to know. No, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could, you, you, if you just list John Grisham movies, I'll tell you if I've seen them and I'll tell you why it was no good. The one with Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones, the client, not good. The runaway, the runaway jury with Rachel Weiss and Gene Hackman. I, okay. Okay. And as much as I like Gene Hackman and as much as I like Rachel Weiss, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't even remember she was in it and that wasn't a good movie. Dustin Hoffman and, and Gene Hackman couldn't save the runaway jury. It wasn't but it was really like a John Cusack movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there was a scene in that one restaurant on Bourbon Street, which uh, is in every movie set in New Orleans. It's the one with like the doors, the, the floor to ceiling doors uh, and windows. They're like windows in the doors and like they open up and so on a nice day, they hmm. open the city up. The, the restaurant up to the city and uh i've eaten there nobody it wasn't a movie i wasn't in a movie there but it's like i think that 
it's in like the Louisiana Film Commission's it's gotta contract be. that if you film a movie in in New Orleans, you this restaurant has to be in it. Huh. Yeah. And then you can go across the city or, or across the street and get a beignet, which is like such a big deal. And you want to know what I think about beignets? Overrated. Super overrated. It's like it's like it's like a crescent roll with powdered sugar on it. Uh yeah. Super overrated. You know what I think about the uh the coffee with chicory in it? A little bitter. <laughs> Talking about the coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's 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 not that great. The Vietnamese actually serve uh, a strong coffee with with chicory in it, and I don't dig that either. It's not. I mean, it, it's actually better than what you get in New Orleans, or um, I think it's actually pronounced New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. But. but as I've said before, I'm kind of a Sherman man, so we're going to call it New Orleans. Also, in the north, we don't put chicory in our coffee. And you know why? Because we won. Okay. <laughs> you know what I you know what I like in my coffee? Nothing. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been I've been to Cafe Du Monde there, and uh, so overrated. And. and and I like everybody's like you got to go, you, you've got to go. And I went there, and it was so packed, and it was so packed. It was there were so many people there. I placed my order cash only, cash only. Is that a problem for you? No, it's not a problem. Um, but just based on the uh, the amount of business that they're doing, you know, I imagine there's probably somebody taking just a little bit off the top. What <laughs> in New Orleans? New Orleans. <laughs> now I'm thinking of Tommy Lee Jones and JFK. Where, if you remember, um, that DA Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, was a New Orleans uh, district attorney. Mm. And Tommy Lee Jones played a very flamboyant character. And when he was asked whether or not he had seen the Joe Pesci character, also flamboyant, um, Tommy Lee Jones uh, said, I believe I would remember such a peculiar <laughs> character. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I only saw that once and I think it was on TV. So, you know, you get back into the left. Yeah. And then also from Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I wasn't prepared to talk about this at all, but I can talk about New Orleans at the drop of a hat because I, I did not care for that town. I thought it was a filthy, segregated city. Um, and, and, and we went right, we visited uh, with, a couple of friends, uh, they flew down from the Northwest and uh, we met there and 
I don't know, we transferred, my, my mother-in-law has got timeshares and we transferred a week and stayed there. We stayed on what's called the North Shore, which is, I, I, okay, so you know how like every town has got their um, Republican suburb? Cause like all the cities are like super blue and then like right. all, yeah. So I, I think the North Shore is probably like like that. Um, there's a lot of, it, it seemed like a, a place that you could live, but also a place where you could like stay and not like be in the city, which is expensive and maybe dangerous. I don't know. I mean, de depends, I suppose, where you go and what. But anyway, we thought it was going to be a, we thought it was going to be just destroyed because it was like just like a week after Mardi Gras, as it turns out. Uh, and it was super clean, at least at least the French Quarter was. And I'll tell you why. Because it was right after Mardi Gras. Excuse me, Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Because uh, it was, you know, they destroy, you know, they, they throw confetti and beads and stuff. I don't know if you know about this. They, there's like a lot of drinking and partying in the streets. Probably somebody like vomits once in a while. Anyway, they came through and they like cleaned it all up and it was super clean and super nice. Right. It was a, uh, it was a nice, it was a nice visit, but it's not like a place you go for high culture. No. Though, though the D-Day Museum is there. Really? Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, Stephen Ambrose, here's the, uh, the deal there is there's like, if you go a little, a little bit east of New Orleans, I think there's a place called Bay City. And, and so Stephen Ambrose, the author and historian who wrote Band of Brothers and books about Eisenhower and the war and D-Day. He lived, he split his time between, like between there and Montana. And so he, he was very involved there. Also, I think maybe that the deal is the Higgins boat, which are those amphibious troop carriers that they use to get the men from the ships to shore. I think those maybe were made. I think the Higgins, mm -hmm. so Higgins is made named after a man. man. Um, uh, what was his name? Bob <laughs> Clark. <laughs> so did you know, did you know there was a real Kalishnikov? That, that was like the name of the Russian who invented that, that repeating that automatic rifle. And so the, the Kalishnikov or the AK-47 was named after a guy. Uh, there's a, there's a, a Sikorsky is a Russian who I think he has a Russian name, but I think he um, is an American because the uh, military flies Sikorsky uh, helicopters. Right. So anyway, the Higgins boat's named after the inventor 
So, I mean, it's essentially like a big flat boat with like tall sides. And then when you get to the beach, you drop the front of it and hope that you can get out before the yeah. Germans sh- shoot in the hole. Yeah. It, it, it's like, it's like a, it's like the bed of a pickup truck, but with taller sides and a bigger tailgate. That's right. Most of what I know about it was going through the D-Day museum and also hmm, maybe flipping through the channels and seeing part of the, the first few minutes of saving private Ryan. Yeah. So you, you know, uh, so anyway, so the, yeah, the D-Day museum was there and it had a lot of, I mean, so it like had an actual Higgins boat and it had um, not just about the uh, landing on D-Day in Europe, but also uh, amphibious landings in the Pacific. So Tarawa and Iwo Jima and, and things like that. They use the Higgins boat. So that was there too. So that was actually kind of cool. Otherwise, it's all about, you know, dining and stuff. Uh, we did take, we took a swamp tour. That was okay. I mean, it is weird to like be on a boat and like see gigantic snakes and like, I don't know, crocodile. Are they alligators or crocodiles? Those are gators. What are they? Those are alligators. How do you know? Um, because we don't have crocodiles in America. Are you sure? Yeah. They're not wild. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. They also have like this little creature that's kind of like a muskrat called a nutrient, which is a funny thing to call an animal because it's so close to, close to nutrient, which is something that you get in your breakfast cereal. Yeah. Ask your doctor about nutrient. <laughs> so nutrients are like, like, like kind of like, I don't know, like it's not really a beaver. It doesn't have a flat tail, but it's like kind of like a muskrat, I guess, but it's got orange teeth. So it's two front teeth are orange. I kid you not. What a funny thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if it's an invasive species or they just don't have, they, they like breed like rabbits but you can go in the swamp and you can kill all the nutrients you want and you don't need a license or nothing. You just go kill them? You just go in and kill, yeah. Wow. I, uh, I, think, it's, I think it's a nutria. Okay. Still close to nutrient. That's right. Yeah, still very close. Nutria. Okay, fine. And... And what's a close and and what's it like? Is it like a muskrat or is it? It is. And you yeah, see, the... yeah, they're they're bigger. Uh, I think they're of they're, they're of the varmint family. <laughs> so, like, if you work in a restaurant and it's got a sign that says "Keep vermin outside," they could be thinking of nutrias. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. So I was, we were trying to get from uh, the French Quarter. By the way, this is before Hurricane Katrina. So I had no idea anything about it between, you know, since, since then. So this was probably, I don't know, 04, 05, something like that. 
and we went from the from the French Quarter to the place where there's like all the all the palatial mansions. And uh, I took a I took a weird turn, and I I kid you not, like two blocks off of uh, out of Bourbon. Uh, off of Bourbon Street or out of the French Quarter, it just, it was just, just poverty stricken. And there were folks yeah. living, um, you know, it just uh, seemed, seemed like squalid in, yeah. in squalid homes. I mean, you know, I, I have no right to judge anybody's like life. I didn't look in the windows, but, um, seem to be a great deal of poverty and also yeah. i mean you know it's obviously uh, a large uh, there's a large african-american um populace populace and they didn't seem to be doing especially well and then uh, subsequently we went to kansas city and as i i think i've mentioned before i mean i think it was called blue lining but maybe red lining uh, I, I don't know if, um when they, in the, before the Civil Rights Act, I suppose, right. um, they could keep black folks on a certain side of town. Redlining. Redlining, okay. So in Kansas City, it, it used to be uh, homes or truce. It was a, it was a major north-south thoroughfare. I don't know how, they actually get around that somehow now they, they can't do that but somehow it just works out that all the nice houses are on the west side and it just so happens that a lot of those folks who buy those houses are white and um, more affordable housing cheaper housing is over here on this side of that line and it turns out a lot of those folks are black so yeah i don't i mean you just is it just economics? Okay, well, here's the other thing. In Kansas City, in Kansas City, um, there, were, there were suburbs which were predominantly black. And so wealthy, middle, the middle class, middle class African-Americans got out of town. Because mm -hmm. the, in, in the city, the the schools were terrible and, you know, crime, you know, depending on the neighborhood, I mean, crime was terrible, but lots of terrible stuff. So, um, other, you know, people go to the suburbs and then just, um, I don't know. I think, I, I think, I kind of think it served as a magnet. You know, yeah. It's, it's okay to live here. People won't shh. Sh <laughs> you know shoot out your windows or burn a crossing in your yard so right yeah um, I, uh, the only time that i've been to new orleans is i went there um at my previous uh career for a trade when show you were, when you're a corporate yeah high roller yeah we, a and, wheeler dealer yeah and uh went there for a trade show and uh it was it was like a big event and um had a we had a room block at like the marriott so i go to check in and 
they overbooked the hotel and they say, you know, we've made arrangements for you to stay at the Chateau Bourbon. At the, at the corner of Canal and Bourbon Street. That sounds fancier than what you might have had otherwise. Yeah, so not your standard run-of-the-mill Marriott. Uh, so something with a little bit more character. However, my room overlooked Bourbon Street and uh, the gentlemen who are playing five-gallon dr- five buckets as drums uh, really didn't appreciate that you had an early day. No, didn't appreciate that I was working on this trip. <laughs> uh, that but could have been great, I guess. But yeah, well, you know what? If I was on vacation and somebody was like busking, I think it's called it's called busking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does this busk stop at Forty Second Street? <laughs> um. And uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was, it was a nice place uh, and had a, had a lot of character and, and it was, it was cool, but uh, you know, after dinner and drinks with customers, then, well, I'll, uh, I've got walking by myself uh, five or six blocks to my hotel. Was it safe? Oh yeah. New Orleans. well you know so so mrs winger and i took took a like a two-day trip to memphis and it was pretty bare bones and this was this was probably 1999 so we went to graceland and then we went to beale street which is where all the blues clubs are but essentially but so essentially um, Beale Street is super safe because <laughs> there's like one cop for every ten people. Yeah, I mean it was it was like a militarized zone, so it was it was so safe. And I think that Bourbon, I mean, it, I think it was safe. I mean, for the most part, Bourbon Street is pretty safe because I mean, there's a ton of tourists there and. Right. You know, you got to watch out for pickpockets and things like that. But, you know, you know, our, our, my friend Bill, his wife, Jane, uh, was, uh, had her pocket picked. Like it was like one guy, like, I don't know, bumped in and was apologizing. And, Mm. you know, while he was talking to, you know, apologizing to Bill and Jane, somebody else like cleaned her purse out. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So while I was there, we did make like we did walk walk down Bourbon Street, walk down one side, walk back to the other, and I could never ever do it again. It was it was not it was not fun. Not your jam. Not my jam. Have you stopped drinking yet? No, I still was back then, and okay. uh, and I still did not. Yeah. Did yeah, not find I, it I enjoyable. I, yeah, I don't. I don't care for it either. There's a lot of black magic stuff. I don't know if you know this about uh, the South. Well, it, it is that peculiar uh, fusion of uh, 
a lot of Haitian, a lot of the, the French Creole, right, mm-hmm. is, is on the superstitious side. And uh, uh, plays with, uh, with uh, occult things. Yeah. So a lot of the voodoo. So you get to a certain part of Bourbon Street and then it, it's, you're like, oh, okay. What's, uh... What about the hookers? <laughs> I didn't see anything like that. So I don't, I don't know. Is that legal there? I don't know. I, no. I mean, it. how do you tell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would be interested in, a, I believe it's called a date, um, but I'm going to need to see your license. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, oh, go ahead. But, you know, had a nice time, had some great food. And I've told a story about the restaurant before where, you know, the chef comes out and says what's off the table. And then he goes back and he makes whatever he feels like. And uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of great uh, meals. W- one of them wasn't at that restaurant with the windows on Bourbon Street. Uh, I, I bought, I, what, what I bought, I had, um, something is is etouffee like like real creamy i don't think they do a lot of cream sauce down there <laughs> so i mean that was it that was ridiculous too i mean i think i had it just because i wanted to say i've had it but you know winston churchill said uh it it, it was important to have seen jakarta because having seen it I never have to see it again. And I kind of feel that way about New Orleans and etouffee. It is important to have had etouffee because having had it, I never have to have it again. (laughs) I'm not having etouffee for dinner. What did I? Yeah. So um, let's see. So I have a really cool thing that I wanted to talk about was I just sold a painting. So you mind yeah. if I? No. And uh, <clears throat> I think it's great. I'm really, I'm really happy for you. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's the most I've ever gotten for a painting. And I think, I think I got only got 50%. I had to split it with the gallery. Oh, really? And it was, yeah. I I was assuming that they took like 10% or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm glad you brought this up because I actually don't feel, okay. So, so as I say, it, it's more of a payday than I've ever had. So I'm fine with the gallery artistic transfer uh at the i don't know the world trademark in dallas and and they're an interesting company um and and i'm happy to talk about them in a minute but uh as i say it was more money than i've ever gotten before you know i've 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 sold i sold uh, i was displayed at a uh a company thing and uh sold uh, a, a piece there, you know, and um, that was cool. And I, I, I've sold 
some, but I've never made this much money. So half of something is better than a hundred percent of nothing. Yep. So there's that. Second of all, you know, I think that there, it helps lend some prestige if you're actually displayed in a, in a gallery where designers and others, and, and that's really who's shopping in, in places like this. It's um, uh, the, I think, you know, the world trade trademark is like, uh, is like a shopping mall where there's nobody shopping. And it's because it's like all pro. So it's like incredibly fancy rugs and l- l- like lighting fixtures, you know, from the future or like you would see in a movie set for, you know, with like rich people's house or, or did you ever see the Saturday night live sketch with, with, uh, with Nune? Are these the Californians? No, no. Uh, there was, oh, uh, oh, I know. And, and they like, they have like that, uh, egg shaped chair that hangs from the ceiling that they sit in. Right, right. Yeah. Everything is like cutting edge design and crazy, uncomfortable and not functionable, right? Like you, <laughs> it's like, like they had like a, like a pyramid. It's like, you can sit on this. <laughs> right. And, and uh, it was Fred Armiston and, uh, Uh, Maya Rudolph and I don't know, they were playing it with like a Finnish accent or just some, some ambiguous scant, you know, Nordic, you know, bend where like these people are like really weird and like you can't be comfortable in anything that they have. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine somebody rich, weird and from the future. That's what they sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so, so, I mean, I think that if you're, if you're well, if you're well off, you can go there with your interior designer and they, you know, he or she can help you, you know, pick stuff out that's going to work in your, in your space. A curated experience. Exactly right. So artistic transfer has this world-class camera and a world-class printer. And what they do is they take a picture of the artwork and then print it out. And so the original painting that I had, which was essentially like a a Pollock-esque, a Jackson Pollock-esque splatter painting, but with happier colors. And I named it somewhat archly, Come On, Get Happy, which was a big Partridge family hit in the 70s. And, uh, but, but it, it, it had like, I don't know, was that it? Uh, uh, you know, it's like a light green and pink and uh, I don't know, like light blue. And it just was, uh, I mean, I liked it. I mean, it was one of my favorites. And, uh, uh, so it sells. So the so the original sold, and then they also sold a reproduction. Okay, 
So, so, so two different things. So, so artistic transfer can just get a really high quality print that they, that they sell uh, in addition. So one of the things that they do is like they'll, okay, so like a big company or a, or a hotel, places that want to decorate a certain way in multiple places. And so they'll sell, you know, X number of high quality prints. Okay? Mm-hmm. Both, of, both my original and this first print went to individuals and so so i got paid for the first one for the original and i'm I'm still i've yet to be paid for the reproduction or the print so i went down to i went down to the gallery mrs winger came with me and we went downtown and they want so it was it was weird so so the 32 by 32 original had been blown up to like five feet by five feet Mm -hmm. and then they wanted the people who bought it wanted it textured so they had me down to drizzle more paint so i dripped drizzled and splattered slat slathered splattered Mm -hmm. Um, on it and and it was it was funny because I didn't have a lot of guidance I didn't have the people there uh, and so I'm like well you know if I do too much it's going to change the com- and what's funny about this is like there's one little there's like one little place that was always like my favorite place to look and then I'm thinking well like what if what if I cover up the buyer's favorite place, but I probably they just buying something to put in, you know, so I just, you know, so anyway, it's got texture now. So that was pretty cool. So That's with a, a check in my pocket and uh, the, what, what's the guy's title? I don't know. The art, the artistic director. I don't, I don't know what his name was. He's a nice guy. You know, he's like, no, nah, this is great. This is exactly what we wanted. Okay, great. So then Mrs. Winger and I stopped at a steak place and um, had dinner. I had the I had the salmon, Brian. Oh, salmon's good. Um, I had uh, sautéed mushrooms and um, something green on the side. Asparagus. I kind of felt like a bust out because my hands had paint all over them, and we're in a kind of a it wasn't it wasn't like it's not like a super nice place but it's not like it's not like chilies either it's not it's not it's not dave yeah. and buster's brian wow that's pretty nice so with paint on my hands i totally wanted the salad bar but i didn't go to the salad bar because you know i didn't want to like seem weird with like my filthy hands my my hands had been washed but they were they had paint on them you know why because i'm an artist and i got paid and let me tell you something else, Brian. You know what motivates a guy to paint? paint. Selling a painting. <laughs> I can't believe I'm wasting all this time with you <laughs> when I could be out in my garage throwing paint around. Yeah. 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 Pretty exciting. It, so, yeah, if you, yeah, you do it once, you can do it again. Wouldn't you think? I would think. 
so as I say, it was like that print or that, that particular painting was one of my favorites. And so, um, I, I asked like, well, how, how much would it be to have it, to get a, to get a, you know, reproduction and, uh, Mrs. Winger shut that down. She's like, no, I'm not going to just buy it back. Like, well, wait a minute. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I, you know, the guy knew what the, the guy understood the power dynamic. Yeah. So once I, once I take mama home, I'll come back someday and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll get the, get the print. Cause I like that painting. I, I really like that painting. You're going to pay for something that you've already made once. Just make it again. Lightning doesn't strike twice like that, Brian. I mean, I could paint something like it, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that one. I don't know. I don't know how art works. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's great. Congratulations. That's, that's really quite something. I'm very excited. Yeah. So uh, uh, people who are interested can check it out on Instagram. I'm at, at Winger Abstracts. It's open to the public for now. I might also put it on. Um, well, I think I did. I think I did put it on um, managing expectations. Wait, what's our locals' address? Managing expectations podcast dot locals dot com. That sounds about right. Does that sound about right? Yeah, the internet's so good that they'll they'll get what you're looking for if you just managing expectations podcast dot locals dot com, and I have put the uh, painting uh, a picture of the painting up there already, which is why people who follow us there are all are like way ahead. Like they could be, you can be listening to this and looking at the painting and just get a full yeah sensory experience. Yeah. Yeah. And if you follow us there, you said, Hey, I've already shared this with my friends two days ago. Right. Yeah. This would be a good time to say, uh, for closer ties to Brian and I here on the managing expectations podcast, which as, as he's already said is blowing up. It's unbelievable. Thanks again, Missy, and y'all, your friends. And and uh, you can go to locals.com. It's uh, managing expectations podcast.locals.com. Have you actually been there, Brian? I mean, I does it look right? It does. I mean, okay. I would say it does, it does look right. It, I mean, we didn't like try to sell you coins. Does it make you like have to like get coins to enjoy the feed no okay all right very good um i think that there's a there should be a way for people in the community to interact with one another should they be inclined to do so so we still got to figure that out yeah stay tuned yeah check back frequently what check back check back frequently sure sure uh also mrswinger.com mrs winger has been making masks and uh somebody somebody 
just just got got one and it was their first Mrs. Winger mask. And they're like, this is unbelievable. It's so comfortable around the ears. I could wear this all day. Double cotton. All right, look, I know, look, everybody knows this has gotten crazy. It's hard to trust, you know, the authorities on this. They change their stories. But, you know, look, you know what I go back to? When SARS was blowing up in Asia several years ago, what kind of pictures did you see? You saw the Japanese, the Koreans, everybody's wearing a mask. And it's, it was a surgical mask. It wasn't an N95. How does it not help? I mean, if you've been out in public and you've seen somebody like hawking and snuffing, and, you know, and like sneezing, coughing, I don't have to tell you. I should not have to tell you that the hygiene of the average person is disappointing. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was out, and there's a whole bunch of mouth breathing slea sacks out there, and uh, I would have felt a lot better <laughs> if they had a mask on. Do you remember slea stacks? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They're like the slowest things in the world. Even I could outrun them. Yeah. I mean, I, I've made my peace with outrunning nothing on the planet. I, I've got to just like quarrel and fight and hope that I can get a, like a good shot in before whatever the bear takes my head off. I could outrun a slea stack. They were, yeah. and, and, and uh, they would shoot these arrows. They had these little crossbows and, and they always came across like there was like, like we're shot, like, like it was like tossing a pencil. It was like tossing a pencil at someone. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get him that time. Here, let me toss another pencil and see if I can wound them. And I don't know what the slea sacks wanted to do if they caught you. Breathe on you. Because <laughs> you know what? They weren't wearing a Mrs. Winger mask. All that's, right. That's so exactly here's the right. thing. So, uh, yeah, so Mrs. Winger mask, uh, they're, they're, they're affordable, they're comfortable. Um, they Stylish. are, according to the CDC, pretty effective, you know, effective. Again, they're, they're double layer, breathable cotton. You can put a filter in. I've been wearing a filter, but like this, today I was a little lazy. And so I just kind of like stuffed it in there and, and, uh, it was like all jammed up inside. This is not the fault of the mask. It was me being lazy, but it kind of like plugged the nostril and it was hard breathing. Careful. Yeah. I think if somebody had poured water on me, it, it, I, it would have been like a half intentional waterboarding. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, don't forget our old buddy Ray at All in a Dream Comics and Books in downtown Denver, Colorado, just off Colorado Boulevard on Colfax. He's at 3115 East Colfax Avenue. He can be reached at area code 303-333-8616. Or for more information, you can go to allinadream.us. Okay, so that's where we're at. Uh, have you ever heard of the, uh, the writer Terry Teachout? I have I have not, but I did see some news about him recently. Yeah, he just died. Yeah, yeah, sixty five. 
which isn't young, uh, but it ain't old. Well, that's old, but not old old. It's not Jennifer Aniston old. So <laughs> right. um, uh, he was a really good writer. I liked him. I've got a couple of his biographies. He wrote a book about Duke Ellington. Uh, but I, I'm more familiar with like his uh, his his critical essays in in various publications. He he was the theater critic for the Wall Street Journal, which Mrs. Winger and I have been subscribing to for the last few months. Oh, really? It's pretty nice. <laughs> well, selling paintings and making masks and uh, keeping up on things in the Wall Street. <laughs> Well, you know, we were kicking around. I mean, she she wanted a newspaper. We don't really like the Dallas Morning News. And, I, you know, at this point, I don't really like the New York Times. I mean, all of that stuff about, like, the millennials having the bit between their teeth, you know, makes me a little nutty. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, have you heard of Barry Weiss? Yeah. Okay, so she's not dead. No. But she, she, she she's not conservative. Um, but she was, but she is, of all things, committed to a diversity of opinion. And so I think that the nail in her, her coffin at the, at the uh, New York Times was uh, she, I think she was part of, uh, okay, so when, so they published an editorial by Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who, I don't know, was saying that it would be okay to use the military to quell protests that turn into riot, um, riots in, in, the, in the wake of the George Floyd killing murder and, and uh all, all of it gets into a whole thing but i mean all she did was say yes senator you can write an editorial and like people were like flipping out i mean th these aren't readers these are people who work there and they're like oh well, this isn't a safe place for me and it's 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 a hostile workplace environment so I don't know it, when you had a corporate gig, I mean, other than your, your, your own corporate empire, when you worked for the man, did you, were you guys using Slack? No. Okay. But you know what it is? I do. Okay. What is it? Is it, it's kind of like a, a, it's a, a corporate it's a inter it's an intercompany group messaging platform. What what is it the kids are using now? Um, like nobody, like kids, the kids aren't on Facebook because that's been taken over by geriatrics. Yeah, so so kids will either they'll communicate uh, via Snapchat is a that's is a popular it. that's one. the one. Yeah. So it, Slack is kind of like the corporate version of Snapchat, right? In a right. sense. In a sense, yes, but you know, it's 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 a way for people to communicate uh, in their office, and you can set up different groups, or they call it channels. Uh, so you have uh, this group here. So your team is on one group. 
one um, Slack channel, or you can just have, you know, just a more private one, which is two individuals or whatever you want. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's very, very popular. A lot of really big, important companies use Slack for okay. inter-office communication. So Barry Weiss has said that it, it grew increasingly anti-Semitic uh, during her tenure wow. until she was like, okay, you know what? This isn't a place for me. So she's got, she's, so Barry Weiss uh, started a, she went to Substack. Um, she, I don't know, I get a couple of free things every week that I read. I, she must be doing well enough that she's also publishing other people. So I just read this like unbelievable, like a screenwriter, somebody was talking about the self-censoring as well as the other censoring in Hollywood, you know, among screenwriters and, and others and how, you know, everybody, well, well anyway, I, I'm just saying that Barry Weiss on her, on her Substack is getting a lot of people, uh, is, first, what, what most impresses me is she seems to be legitimately a proponent of the First Amendment, okay? So you can you know, say what you want. It's a free country, you know. Um, no, no thanks to the extremes on either side. But, uh, she, you know, she kind of got canceled. Andrew Sullivan, same deal. He was a, I mean, he, I mean, he's been around. He, he almost like practically invented blogging as a, as a legitimate source, you know, other than like grandma's gingerbread cookies and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and Andrew Sullivan's got his own sub stack as well. I don't, I don't enjoy his as much, but again, it, there, there seems to be a fierce determination to allow people to say things that we disagree with, which, you know, is important, but I, mm -hmm. but I also think it takes a certain steely determination to be able to put up with that. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I've always... <laughs> I mean, I, I've always said things people didn't like. And you know, look how great that's worked out for me. Well, back to the paints where nobody can hear me scream. <laughs> so anyway, so, so, uh, uh, I don't, so, so from Terry teach out to, to, uh, Barry Weiss, but, um, oh, 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 oh. So Mrs. Winger and I were talking about, well, well, you know, what news outlet, because like I, I, I was like a subscriber to The Atlantic for years and years and years, but I don't, I didn't like, and look, I, I still like The Atlantic sometimes. And I don't, I just, I, I don't like like one particular political bend. I mean, I think they still publish some very fine writing, but I'll tell you what, there's, there's that writer, Kevin Williamson, who was offered a job there 
and like sensitive 30 year olds flipped out because of his view on, on abortion. He's, he's very pro-life. He doesn't, he doesn't like abortion at all. Okay. And he made some sort of legal comparison to, you know, I don't, well, I, I don't know what the context was, but I mean, he, he suggested uh, the uh, death penalty for people who have an abortion. I, and, and, and there was context. Okay. I mean, he wasn't like, actually, that wasn't the policy. I think it was more of a wry comment. Like if this is okay, then how about that being okay? And and so people flipped out. But even if that was your position, could you, do you feel like you couldn't work in the same organization as a guy? Would you really th threaten to quit because you, because they hired someone who thinks abortion is murder and therefore the state should deal with murderers accordingly. That, that seems like an extreme view uh, given the political makeup of, of the country, but it, it's just the idea that, oh, so anyway, so Kevin Williamson had the job for like roughly 36 hours before Jeffrey Goldberg had him in, or I don't even think they had him in, just fired him. Hmm. I read Williamson's book, The Smallest Minority, which was a lot about cancel culture. It was an awfully good book, I thought. Um, anyway, The Atlantic, I'm just, this probably seems pretty tedious as I ch check off every publication, every national publication known to man. Anyway, Mrs. Winger and I agreed on the Wall Street Journal. I don't read it every day. I mostly read it on the weekends. You know, but I mean, as as inflation rises, as things heat up in Ukraine and Taiwan, I'm I'm happy to have a responsible national, you know, news organization. I've also heard that while the editorial page is incredibly conservative, not all the news stories are. They're, that they're frequently more balanced. Anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. What news do you get? You, you don't, you guys subscribe to no, no newspaper? No newspaper. I don't watch, certainly don't watch the nightly news. If I were um, going to, I would watch PBS NewsHour. I'm yeah, so old. I, I remember McNeil Lair. I, um, the do you, do you subscribe, it, it, subscribe to any magazines no okay um though though i did you know to catch up on caitlin flanagan's latest you know the atlantic made me sign up for a dollar a month for their digital edition so i did that a dollar a month that's great yeah i'd pay that by the way yeah so, but because the subscription, the Atlantic's like $49 a year. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's a trial thing. Okay. But, 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 um, it's, it's impossible to fully get away from the news. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm in front of a computer, a good chunk of the day. 
Um, and, uh, so I do catch, you know, things here and there. Um, I catch a little bit from Twitter. Um, and that's, that's plenty for me. I, I don't, there's, you know, the, the 24 hour news cycle is, is too much. Everything's breaking news and I don't, I need to shut it off. So, yeah. It's just when you, when you want to know what's right. really going on and, and, and not just get headlines or clickbait. Right. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to pay this subscription. Um, okay. So, so not long ago, there was a shooting in, in Denver. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was maybe during one of your weeks off. One of your recent departures because you were away. Was it on a second or a third week of the month? Because that's usually when I'm usually when I'm gone. Okay, you know the shooting I'm talking about. I mean, it started I, like I do, and it was yeah, it was wild. Uh, some some guy had had a grudge, and he was on several lists for some time as being a potentially dangerous individual, and uh, went and shot up a couple people that worked at tattoo parlors that in his view had wronged him walked into a hotel and killed somebody because he was on the run at that yeah point, right yeah okay so it started like broadway and alameda mm -hmm. and then like kind of like circled down and around and it ended up like what in lakewood in lakewood yeah so west, so west of denver uh -huh. west of denver see you just told me more than i was able to find afterwards right all, all i found online uh, at uh, denverpost.com and I think KUSA, which is the NBC affiliate, mm -hmm. uh, was a map of his rampage and, and the body count. And, and honestly, the local news was helpful until it wasn't. I mean, it kind of said, well, this is what happened, but then they, they bring in like the interviews of people who were in the general vicinity and they're like, well, it sounded like firecrackers, which is what everybody says, because it does, if you know. Yep. I mean, some things are cliche because it, you know, they're true, right? I mean, um, Stephen Hunter, the uh, novelist has talked about like, like dying men in combat. I mean, really do their thoughts do go to their families, you know, their, you sure. know, their mama or, you know, who, whoever they're leaving behind, you know? So anyway, um, anyway, I, I didn't find anything helpful in local news. It's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. But here's the thing is that you, you found out about the sensational stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's the stuff that, uh, yeah, here's the body count. Here's where it happened. And, uh, that's, that's good enough for now. We'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and look, I just, I don't like, I've, I've, I've always told Julene never talk to the media because, you know, they, they, they edit stuff, they, you know, never mind that 
the people who just can't wait to be on camera are almost always Paul Mall smoking people and I'm with stupid t-shirts or, 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 you know, a lady with her hair in curlers who's wearing a moo-moo. Yeah. You know, the, the kids are calling moo-moos maxi dresses now. Are they? Yeah. They're doing, you know, they're just doing amazing things with moo-moos these days. Language does change over time, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> what was do you, Mrs. Winger always says, uh, what did she say? Um, they're doing amazing things with polyester these days. And, um, and I think it's true, you know, it's not like the Sears tough skins of yesteryear. Yeah. No, the, the news is, the news is too much. Um, and, uh, I try to limit. Is your sweater, I, I notice you're, you're kind of playing at your, with your collar. Is your, is your sweater, is it itchy? No, it's actually quite soft. That's why. <laughs> I'm actually enjoying it very much. <laughs> All right, good enough. Yeah, the news is terrible, and uh, but anyway, so 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 are mass shootings, which Denver has. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of seems high. Seems like it happens in Denver more than like Omaha. Oh, more people live here. More than well, that one guy in Vegas. That was like just one of the worst things I ever heard of. That guy, yeah, uh, with the bump stock, who just essentially just, oh my god, it's just horrible. It's so horrible. It's it's shocking. I mean, it is. Yeah. Well, and and that's why you got to be careful. I mean, because you think, like I, because every time you say I. I can't be surprised. I can't be shocked anymore. I've had, I, yeah. this has been the living end. Yeah. There's something wait, worse just around wait, the corner. Yeah. Wait All right. Week. I don't want to end on that note. You have a joke. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I did. I did have one about a chameleon, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll tell that one offline. <laughs> That's not funny at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got anything else? Um, no. Uh, okay. uh, did, well, you know what? I do have some, just one real quick thing. Did you, did you see Murder on the Orient Express with Kenneth Branagh and his double, double-decker mustache? I did. And I believe, I believe at the time... I called that the most steampunky mustache I've ever seen. The sequel's I stand coming out. by it. Yeah, the sequel's coming out in less than 30 days. Uh, Murder on the Nile, something like that. And uh, Gal Gadot is starring in this one. Well, she's no Ana Damasto. She's taller. She's taller. Yeah. Uh, 
what what was the movie with her and John Hamm? Was it Keeping Up with the Joneses? It was, and Zach Galifianakis. And Isla Fisher. Yeah. Uh, I see Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher together. That pairing makes sense. <laughs> I really don't see, see somebody like John Hamm and Gal Gadot together, though. That's just not really a realistic pairing. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I actually, I I shudder to think of how beautiful their children would be. Right. I mean, yeah, be like. Yeah. So, yeah, those are, those are some handsome people. Good for them. You know, uh, so this is a good way to sign off. Abe Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln said, the Lord must love plain looking people because he made so many of them. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I think of that as I yeah. turn into Christian Bale and American Hustle. And uh, I think, yeah. I'm plain. Good for me. I thought you were going to say that you look like Christian Bale in, in Veep. In Vice. Vice. Ah, Veep is the other one. Yeah, kind of. I, I am kind of Cheney-esque. <laughs> I talk out of both sides. of. No, I don't take if a guy talks out of both sides of his mouth, it means he's lying to somebody, right? Yeah, but I don't think that that people use that correctly. I don't think that that's like the the right term. Talks out of both sides of his mouth. Well, I, I have. I guess I haven't. Wouldn't say that I've heard it in about forty years. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's in. It, it's probably not in. Have heavy currency. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, until next time, oh, we, we haven't, um, I, uh, yeah, I need a, I don't, if I'm not going to say on? peace and love. Apples and trees. <laughs> until next time, thanks for listening to the Managing Expectations podcast for Brian Grimm. I'm Jeff Winger. Apples and oranges.